thank you, Matt. I just wanted to follow up on a question I had sent um, Dr. Ross related to the um, case hospitalization and death counts by vaccination status. The unvaccinated portion of those includes people that are partially vaccinated as well as people who are fully vaccinated but less than 14 days after their final dose. And I just was curious, I guess, what, you know, of the 88.1% of cases among the unvaccinated, what proportion of those are actually people who have one dose or even two doses, but just haven't gotten past it. I didn't know if it was a significant, I'm assuming not a significant number, but also don't really want to assume anything. So thanks. Well, another fantastic question and apologies if you had sent that ahead of time. Um, I thought your question was related to just, you know, what was the definition and, and what did, where did we include people? Uh, but I see you're actually asking for numbers. Well, I, so, sent it at, I sent it at 5.30 in the morning, so I probably wasn't very clear what I was asking. Oh, no, no, no. I, I would say, um, uh, let me get that number and I can get back to you. Because that's, that's another great question, but I don't have it at my fingertips. It'll take me a minute to pull that up. Okay, thank you. But Julia, another thing, and this is not about completeness of vaccination as it affects the case rates, the differential case rates, but it is about this constant 10% lag we see between people with one dose and people who've completed their series. And you heard, uh, you heard uh, Deputy Secretary Parahan, Laura mentioned that we're ticking along at about 1% a week. And so that six week period from your first shot to where you're immune with a Moderna or five weeks with uh, a, uh, a Pfizer vaccine from you know three weeks to the second dose, two weeks more to immunity. It is kind of reflected here in my own brain. I'm assuming that about 5% of people who got one vaccine won't get the second. But, and that corresponds well with about half. So it's certainly possible that, uh, and, which, and now I'm getting to your question and not gonna give you an answer. It's certainly possible that some of those people that are the difference between these two have gotten uh, or acquired COVID while they're waiting for their second shot or that two weeks more for immunity for those who got two shots. So thanks for asking that. Yeah, thanks for asking that. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Wednesday edition, New Mexico Rising. It's going to be a little interesting. I thought we would springboard with that particular um, event that happened today with Dr. Scrace. Thad, what are your thoughts having just heard that? You feel overwhelmed with confidence yet? What is he talking about? Uh, so so I get, are we talking about the fact that, wait a minute, you have to wait weeks before, between doses? Okay, and that so and you can't and you can't equate and you can't so so that means that throws off these unvaxxed numbers. Okay, the first thing you've got to understand is that people who are within the 14 days of their second shot, when they go into the hospital and they talk about the cases and everything else, those people are counted as yeah. being unvaccinated. Okay. And so the question from the reporter, and I couldn't pick up on you know who she was with or anything else, but the question was, was of all of the cases that you're saying are the unvaccinated, how many of those have had either one or two one, shots? One or two shots. And how long has it been between the people who have had one shot and are waiting for their second and people 14 days after they're receiving their second who could have pot? So what is this? So we literally, we, we watched Scrace sit there and basically scroll around and play with his mouse on the screen. 
and not answer the question, even saying specifically, he said, now getting to your question, I'm not going to answer it. Because he didn't have an answer. Well, because, and, again, and, and yeah. the, the other thing to note is that they had the question emailed to them at 5.30 a.m. this morning. Yeah, they don't. Having been part of these public hearings and stuff, they don't, they don't really, they say, yeah, well. they say, they say email it or, or post it or whatever, but they don't really read it. And they say, oh no, we'll answer your question after the meeting because we don't have the answer right now. I mean, they never really get back to you and answer your question. And so, so this kind of tell, this is kind of the tomfoolery we get where people die in a motorcycle accidents died of COVID. Right. Correct. I mean, it, it, there, there's some sort of sorcery going on between that. So look, let me, let me break this down there, buddy. Break it down, Dad. All right. Break it down, buddy. So you brought up this stat, but I'll bring up another stat. So nationwide, for the month of August, we have we, uh, we have had 30,000 plus COVID deaths. Do you know what we had a year ago this time? Um, 30,000 COVID deaths. To be exact, August of this year, we have had nearly 600 more. COVID deaths or people with COVID, I'm still very iffy on that figure. Um, so what does that what does that tell you, Sean? We are at 190 million plus people who have had at least one dose. We have had probably half the population who has had either asymptomatic and or full-fledged COVID and have recovered from it. We have Regeneron. We have Ivermectin. We have shots. We have other types of therapeutics. You mean to tell me all we've done, everything we've done, the destruction, the overdose, the violence in the street, the experimental concoctions, and we're no better than we were last year. We're probably worse, but let's not go too far off kilter here. I'm sorry. Uh, that, 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 we, that, that, we, that type we, of stuff just kind of gets to me oh, no. well, on, on a Wednesday when I wanted to just be chill and just we, talk about, you yeah. know. Other stuff, yeah. you know, when you look at these numbers and you start to dig through them like a reasonable person, it all starts to seem a little bizarre. Luckily, we are joined by policy activist Christina Arnold from policy. Roswell. Hi. Thank you for joining us. Good Absolutely. What's your, what's your reaction? What's your reaction to, to our? Well, I, I have to lean towards what Thaddeus is saying on that one. You know, the whole time I. I because I, I do strongly support a government that is going to make sure that we are um, minding, you know, epi, you know, pandemics or anything like this that occurs. But from the get go, the numbers have been off. The solutions have been off. And I have no confidence in a lot of what they're saying. It just doesn't add up. I mean, it, you know, you have a lot of our communities that are smart enough to know that what you're saying isn't jiving. The numbers aren't adding up, just like Thaddeus said. I've met many people that inspire confidence in me, and Dr. Scrace is is not among them. We definitely don't <laughs> hire. We definitely don't hire the best here, even though we are outsourcing a lot of the cabinet secretaries in this state. We don't seem to be grabbing the best and the brightest from around the country to to run this bureaucracy. Well, and that's what bothers me is they don't question that. They don't question the CDC. They make decisions, they follow along, and they just do, it's almost like, I call it the government game. They do what they have to, to be part of the government game, to get the funding, to to do all this, and they pick the limited skills people. And, and it's, it's actually not what's best for New Mexico. It's what's best for them right now. And it's, it's not working. 
interesting thing that when you brought up the 30,000 deaths and and you know I think that when you look at the way the testing was done last year this time especially um where they were running the CT the, the you know the threshold it's, the, yeah the cycle uh, thresholds uh, were threshold stupid high right yeah, high. yeah and they were doing all that stuff so you ended up with this situation where like you say you have people in motorcycle accidents that you know died from covid and then and then this time around I think honestly what we're seeing is problems with the vaccination that were through infections breakthrough yeah, they infections. were they were predicted they were predicted to be worse and why and, is and there a gap of two to four weeks between doses is that the recommendation well, the, the whole thing was was that the idea was that you couldn't just shoot somebody up with that much juice so to speak <laughs> in one shot and so and so they spread it out you know but that was always kind of the problem and that was what the fear was by people like Gerd Vanderbosch was that you would actually lead to this this problem where the virus escapes i.e i.e the that yeah the the vaccine would the vaccination of the masses of the population would select right for a variant you get, you get an explosion of variants because of that and actually when you yeah. go back and you look at when the variants started exploding it's always when mass vaccination kind of reaches about 50 percent hmm terrible so, yeah. Anyway, well, I mean, that, that is that that but, is our that is our yeah. that is our leadership. It is what it yeah. is. Um, I mean, rolling out of that, I mean, in southern New Mexico, especially in eastern southeastern New Mexico, mm -hmm. vaccination rates are probably the lowest in the state. Mm -hmm. And I know in the pre-show we were we were kind of talking about how it's just kind of a a different area mm -hmm. down there. Why don't you Why don't you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, yeah, um, that's actually why I really reached out to you guys because the southeast is definitely a different bird. It's um, you know, I don't think that a lot of the the, the temperature down here is to be um, is to be stubborn as we are. You know, we've always felt like we're kind of like a redheaded stepchild, um, but we're we're of a different mindset only because a lot of us. Um, well, we're so close to Texas. The energy from Texas kind of hits on to us about, you know, being independent, being strong. Um, if there's a problem, you figure it out. We're not, you know, we're not so big on relying on the government. We recognize that the government has a role, but down here, um, we believe that we can make wise choices for ourselves. And usually when you tell someone from this area, they have to do something. That's when they say, oh, really? You know, um, and it's really interesting because I've talked, I have a lot of friends in Albuquerque and, I, you know, I'm, I'm told that the mask um, mandate is still active there and there's, you know, still people who are extremely upset if you go into a store and don't have your mask on and you can still get accosted. Um, here, that doesn't happen. You don't actually see a whole lot of people down here driving around in their cars with their masks on. And, and if, you know, and if they are, then everybody around them is laughing um, because we're just uh, different. We're just different. We actually believe that each person is responsible for making sure that they are taking care of themselves and taking care of the people around them. If you're sick, we know, don't go out. You know, if you haven't, um, haven't felt right, be responsible towards the other people in our community. That's our mindset. We are all big grown adults and it's, we realize we can actually, we can actually handle that. And I just feel like we're, we're not big on nanny government. So how much of that is uh, just the fact that it's farmland? I mean, that's our dairy producing part of the state. That's our mm -hmm. 
it's our energy producing part of the mm -hmm. state. Um, and I, and it seems like for all the revenue that is being produced and the rugged individualism that is there and the, the, mm -hmm. the love of military, because you have, you know, two military installations, mm -hmm. three military installations in that part of the state. Yep. It, it almost seems like everyone from north of 40 kind of looks down on you guys and also actually tries to almost take away your way of life by mm -hmm. virtue of the fact that they would like to impose more of these environmental restrictions. They don't tend to fund your part of the state with infrastructure. Um, oh. you, you know, talk to talk a little bit on that, particularly. You, when you actually hit a lot there because that's why I called us the redheaded stepchild. We actually don't, we actually contribute a, a great deal to the state, to the state's economics with, with our oil and gas industry, with our agriculture, um, with our military bases. And, you know, we actually have roads out here that are deadly, that people, mass numbers of people are dying on annually and we cannot get funding to help to save our life while Albuquerque gets a, you know a brand new statue it, it is actually and that's another reason we're kind of like, you know it's so disrespectful we send in a lot of money and this is what they do with it you know especially when they don't have our you know our hard work ethics, and I'm not saying that of everybody, but we have, uh, you know, roll up your sleeves, let's get to it, work work yourself, make better for yourself. And, and so we see them abusing us, misusing our funding, and then, and then basically I've sat in, you know, in session, I think it was two years ago at the Roundhouse, listening to them tell, pun, try to punish us for making some of the decisions and, and just the legislators blatantly saying that it's time that we put the South in their place. Hmm. And for, for what, you know, uh, I recognize that their mindset is different. They should actually give us some leniency and recognize that we're different. We're contributing to the state that we have solid, you know, thoughts, but we're pretty much just being ignored. And it's really interesting because we have, quite a few people here who have taken the time to um, start understanding the problems and, and approach it differently. Because, you know, for years we, you, you know, someone had an issue, they would go to their legislator and try to address that issue. And so here, you know, I, I would say with COVID, one of the biggest things that I've seen out of it is there's been an anger that has actually, um, gotten people to move. You know, before I would say there was some complacency and kind of going that this is just the way it is, but it's hitting a it's hit a button within people that are now willing and ready to stand up. And so you're seeing a lot of grassroots movement and there's been some good things coming out of the southern region of people who've created grassroots organizations that are not political. They're not, you know, left or right. They're about changing policy and about standing up and saying, no, this is not what we want. And, and it's actually spreading all over the state. So I, I would have to say that the divide is not necessarily a political divide. It's a divide because I'm running into people from all walks of political life and they're not happy with what's happening. And they are actually saying, we're not being listened to. You know, and so um, there's a couple of really neat things that are going on. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the citizens petition for grand jury. 
I did um, see something about that today. I was yes. curious what was going on there. So, um, uh, as I said, for what I do, I don't necessarily work with one organization. A couple years back, after leaving uh, Americans for Prosperity, I started a nonprofit with two other ladies. And what this nonprofit does is we are the support system for other nonprofits to build because we. Um, we don't we believe in limited government and that the people um, through nonprofits can solve issues. And so we want to make sure they're compliant, help them set up appropriately, provide a support system for them. So that in doing that, that has actually led me to work with several people. One gentleman is named Led Marker, who I've been working with for a year to um, create this citizens uh, petition for grand jury. And um, we actually have it filed in three counties already with all the petitions signed, Lee, Eddie, and Chavez. Roosevelt County is signed tomorrow. And then we have a total of 22 counties in movement now. And that's pretty phenomenal because this thing doesn't deal with the legislature. It's not like a referendum petition that goes to the legislators. This is where the citizens actually call the you know get to call the grand jury through the da and through the court system and what is the purpose of the grand jury what do you what is being the purpose is to actually that? um to present evidence with a prosecutor with the da uh regarding it's an indictment on the governor and right. so the citizens will then hear all evidence to determine if the governor should be indicted so it's pretty strong and pretty solid. But uh, that's why I actually recommended lead marker to be someone you guys yeah. wanted to talk to, because legally, you know, um, he, we've we've ran over this because I kind of kept hitting him, you know, with what ifs, is this right? You know, all that type of stuff. And I finally said, you know, it's 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 from the citizens. It's it, so let's throw it at the wall and see what if it sticks. You know, and, and what, so far, and I guess that's my question is, what is the indictment for, though? Like, um, well, I'd if, have to I'd have yeah, to look it, at it and read it. If we're talking about a crime or just, a, you know, it's I, for, I'm not really understanding the function for malfeasance, misfeasance. Okay. And I'm sorry, one other thing. I, I don't have them memorized. Yeah. And, and it's not that the yeah, I mean. Yeah, just to, to Sean's point. Yeah, I mean, specifics would help. But I, I, I get that, like, in the grand jury system that exists today, it, it doesn't it, it, it doesn't need to be terribly concrete. Right. Um, if there, well, the adage you can indict a ham sandwich it has meaning right. because you can. Especially since it's basically pointing to the district attorney to, to actually do an investigation to find and, and it is regarding the actions of this last year considering that we were told this would be a two-week procedure and and it's actually carried on longer it's on several different levels appointing uh, kind of pertaining to the way this has all been handled like i said going after information or you know like pushing it out and not verifying the information, just going along with data and, and harming our state in several different ways. And so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see which DAs will pick it up. And uh, so th there's a lot, there's a lot to see what happens. But the biggest thing is, I think in all of this, you know, a lot of times because I don't mean to be a negative Nelly sometimes with um, with lead marker, but uh, I am a compliance paralegal. 
So one of the things I always do is I rebut him all the time. It, but this thing was different for me because the people are so frustrated. The people are so oppressed right now and they just want to do something. They just want to feel like they've said their piece. They've gotten out there. So, you know, in my book, um, because I'm working on the background as far as a procedural coordinator. And in my book, just giving these people the opportunity to put their name on a paper that says, we are not happy with you. And it is filed with the courts. That actually says something for the people getting, a, getting the opportunity to just basically stand up because right now it is so very frustrating um, when you feel like you're really just not being listened to. So, you know? so a relief, so kind of a relief valve. Yeah. To it, exhaust, yeah, exhaust with ink before yes. uh, well, we move to, you know, drawing blood, so to speak. Well, and, you know, absolutely. And I say at a time like this, because there's so many things going on and happening in in New Mexico, in the nation, you know, outside of the nation. And there's just I, you know, a lot of people say, well, what do I do? And I say, well, educate yourself. And when the opportunity comes across your path, stand up because we've been quiet for too long. You don't have to be rude. You don't have to, you know, um, get ugly, but at least start making your thoughts heard because we've been a little bit compliant, um, complacent for way too long. And that's why we're seeing a lot of the issues with the government overreach and and all that stuff. You know, there is a proper role for government, but I think it's up to us, we the people, to keep the government within their role. And it hasn't been happening. I mean, that's something that I seem to find myself hammering on a lot lately is reminding people that government is made possible through, mm -hmm. uh, if you want to use the language, consent of the governed. Yeah, But it's really, that's where all this compliance falls into play too, because the more people continue to comply with these public health orders that they feel are illegal or unconstitutional, they are legitimizing that rule of law by complying with it. So, I mean, I think that's all part of it, whether you're talking about, you know, doing like Thad said, a relief valve through ink. Um, but people really, if they want to make that stand, the time is now. This isn't this isn't something that's getting better. I think it was interesting when we saw, you know, what Scrace had to say today. I know that uh, her emergency powers expire on the, the 15th. 15th, I believe. The 15th. But I think by the time that happens, we will have already seen Biden's six pronged plan come mm. to fruition. And so you're going to see these these uh, edicts coming down from the federal level. Because that's really what all of this stuff has pushed to do is to try to usurp that local power, you know, whether it's from the counties or from the states. And they're, and they're just always seeking to centralize power, whether it's in Was you know, Washington, D.C. or Santa Fe itself. And so, you know, again, that's, that's where a lot of this comes down is people have got to stick up, stand up, do something. If I, I did want to actually include this, because when you said the word compliance, you know, <sighs> I can't remember. I think it was in the fall of last year, September of October, maybe a little later. Um, but our Roswell City Council actually passed an ordinance that we would not that our um, police officers in our, you know, would not be actually imposing any of the mandate regarding masks. And so that's actually another very pointed thing. It's who you have elected locally that will our city council, our mayor has actually 
fought for us to, you know, to, and he's been listening to us. And that's the important part. It's who you put in office that's going to represent you. And if they're willing to stand up and if they're not, move yeah. on. Yeah, something needs to happen. I mean, I mean, here in Farmington, for example, I mean, we've got uh, Shane Ferrari and he's yep. been very, um, he's been a staunch advocate um, for pushing back against that stuff where he won't enforce it. I know that, you know, the mayor here, Nate Duckett, you know, he reached out to the state mm -hmm. and was trying to get them to do something about the vaccine mandates because of the problems in healthcare mm -hmm. um, with people quitting. So it really does matter on a local level. And, and it remains to be seen what our governor will ask the state police to do. But that even brings up an interesting point because we found out that only 57% of New Mexico state police officers. Have I just, I saw a news report. Either they rounded up to 60. They said 60. Oh, I okay. don't know. They, they might've either they've picked up 3% in the, since that story was printed or like they just rounded up on the news report. I saw just watching just KOB on the uh, whatever, but yeah. So that's the that's the thing, right? I mean, the state police are the state police, right? The governor has absolute purview over those, but it's the sheriffs, mm -hmm. right? In our conversations with Ben Luna, who's been kind of doing his what thirty three county tour and really trying to find constitutional sheriffs mm -hmm. and 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 people locally that won't enforce this. But you know, if you live in Bernalillo County and and you know you have the the ire of of, of big government from the big city. Well, which is what you're which what you're kind of kind of running into in a lot of rural parts of this country is this you live you see people who live outside of these for lack of using the economy or well, i'll use the economy red and blue these the tyranny of these blue cities these tyrannies of these blue enclaves that by virtue of number rule over the rural areas you hear people in western um eastern oregon like i i want to get out of here um people in central central valley california 10 years ago when i would go visit california want to get out of there and it's the fact that like as as time moves on um yeah they try to centralize power to the point where like they they may actually try to circumvent the sheriffs i i, I do not put it past santa fe I, I, it's good that you have strong local advocates and local politicians actually mm -hmm. looking out for you because you can, I, I assume the mayor of Roswell, you can kind of walk up to him on the street and be like, Hey, Hey dude, what's up? Yeah. Right. And here it, we just have a, as you get further North of 40, I, I 40. Yeah. They seem a little untouchable. They seem to be, mm -hmm. a, they seem to do what they want to do. Mm -hmm. And the state police and the sheriffs are pretty much captured. So, you know, case in point, you know, backstreet grill is now, closed so what, what do you, i mean what do you think will be the governor's reaction post september 15th um once you know we get i don't know you think we're on the down end of this delta surf what do you think what do you think the effect will be in your part of this state christine um in my part of the state i think we'll continue as business as usual <laughs> because you know we hear what she says um, we recognize it. But then again, like when the health care mandate came up, we had like um, Stacey Walkowitz with Concerned Citizens out there hosting how to approach handling it. We know it's coming. We'll, we'll be ready for it. But as for us, business as usual, September 15th, I actually agree with you, Sean. I truly believe that 
the government game will they will have found a way to continue the government game. Uh, I'm actually very interested to see how long this can be stretched. Um, in you know, um, and I've always kind of wondered at what point does this move from a pandemic to an endemic where it's you know something we just work with. Um, I know the numbers are up, but at what level? That, that's what kind of bothers me is how severe are the cases? How, you know, I know there's deaths. Are they really the numbers? That's why I just don't think we're getting vital information. And I feel like this is being dragged on for an agenda. I have, I don't have proof of that, but something just smells fishy in Denmark on that one. Yeah, you know, I, I, it know just, I know that they did say that over the four days of uh, Labor Day weekend compared with 2020, uh, that there were actually 2,500 cases compared to 308 last year, which they say is an increase of more than 800%. Dr. Scrace was saying on during his conference today that they think it's plateaued and now it's headed back down. And of course, in the same conference, again, when you, when you ask when this is going to end, right. it, as long as we allow them to continue using these powers, it will never end period the end they're not interested exactly. in giving these powers up at all and no. and 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 you've got scrace over there again i'm really bagging on him tonight but he deserves it and he's saying you know he's saying oh well you know if this thing would just behave you know like a normal virus we'd really like that but you know it's it's spiking in the summer and we don't know what could have caused that yeah uh, i think it's the money i think it's the fact that there's federal funds Yep, government game. I, 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 I think there's just federal funds. That's what mm -hmm. I really think it is. It's like there's a reason why we have a surplus, right? Like, oh, we have all this money, whatever. Tend to tend to forget that we got a lot of government largesse last year. Um, and so that's what it is. Um, or or until there is an election um, of some kind where um, the powers that be are ousted, started with, starting with the largest city in the state and then hopefully moving to the governor's mansion. But... There's a lot of people that tend to think that the uh, all hope is lost when it comes to elections. Mm -hmm. um, you're down in the part of the state where uh, the the Clements are. Mm -hmm. uh, that's 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 Professor Clements and his lovely wife Erin, who've been yes. both been on the program. What is your feeling about election integrity? What do you? What's the feeling that Southerners have going into next year's election or even municipal elections that are going to be coming up in some states or some cities. You're actually in luck because I've been studying all of that information as well. So, um, and analytically speaking, you know, getting to the how was the big deal for me. I, I went to Washington on January 6th. I was there um, because I wanted to see, you know, the historical day of these um, representatives possibly changing something. I did see history. So from that point, I began following. And I will tell you, down here, there is a consensus that the vote will not be fair. Um, whether people understand how um, it went wrong, we believe that something went wrong. And Aaron has done a fabulous job of doing the research to understand that it's more within the algorithms, not within the actual facilities. Uh, and then, you you know, David has done a fabulous job of getting this message out there, trying to explain how it could possibly occur. But where your average Joe doesn't necessarily understand that, what they do understand is something 
didn't look right. Um, because, you know, when you have bellwether counties that have forever. Valencia, been, Valencia yeah. being one of them. <laughs> so you, you have that. And, and all of a sudden, all of this stuff that has occurred for, you know, the last 40, 60 years was just some for some reason not significant this year and it didn't it didn't seem to bother people but here's what i would say is considering what they have found if people think that the system is rigged and they decide to stay home and not vote that is the biggest mistake because what we need now more than ever is more voters so whether you think it's rigged or not, get out there. All of you get out there. Get get your, everyone out because that's the only way to overthrow what because they can't handle um, they can't handle the masses. They won't be able to plan for how many people are going to come out. That's the big thing for me. It's all about voting. But down here, um, well, we're diehard diehard voters. We vote on election day and we turn out. Yeah. So. I, I'm not concerned about Southeast. We'll be out voting. Pretty sure of it. Well, and I think that's part of the problem. And a lot of it is that you saw, you know, supposedly insane voter turnout, but as Aaron Clements so um, perfectly explained when she came on our show for all those average Joes that didn't really understand what was going on. I think she made mm -hmm. it very, very clear. Yes. That's been, that's been, I don't know, a week ago or something. Yeah, no, no, that was kind of a, yeah, it was a big, <laughs> it was a big show, a big show, big show, you know, but it definitely opened our eyes. I mean, it, the thing is, is that the frustration with voting is, is understood. It's reasonable. It's rational. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's why it's so important that that be taken care of because right now, as we speak, you know, the governor is now going to weaponize this surplus, surplus in the state budget. I say that word loosely, and she's going to use it to pay off anyone who votes for her. I mean, she obviously wants to do free college and free this and free she, that. And she definitely wants to punish the South. Well, and, and, you've, got, and you've got to understand this. Well, it is. It's about punishing her enemies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then and, and then dragging more people into this yeah. welfare system. That is the entire structure of what's going on here with all of this pandemic crap. Money is they're just using it to make people dependent on the system, one hundred percent. So when you see that they're going to increase, you know, Medicare and and all these different things for people, that's what they're doing. They're setting it up where the government's going to pay you to stay at home and do what you're told, and if you don't get your shot. And if you don't do what you're told, they're going to cut you off from society. They're going to cut you off from banking. They're going to cut you off from anything that allows you to be a human being. And if you don't think that's happening, you need to wake up, look around. It's happening in Australia big time right now. And, I, and I, I'm here to say it's happening here as well. Oh, yeah. No, it's bona fide. Well, it's actually borderline socialism. And at what point does it become communism? Um, and it is actually very scary times on that. I, I mean, you know... Um, that's why I say I've been trying to figure out what do we do about it, but I do have a question for you, for you guys, as far as, um, as far as the, actually, I'm sorry, Sean, I lost the question. I had it specifically right up here and then it left. It's like, Whoa, where'd it go? Well, <laughs> I, well let me vamp a little no, bit. It'll come back. Yeah. Yeah. Let me vamp a little bit while you let it come back yeah. and stuff like Give that. Me one like, second. And like Sean was saying, um, yeah, like we've increased, the Medicaid rules, right? Mm -hmm. We've we've um we're we're gonna throw more money at it. Um, our our health and human services is, is, is wants a hundred 
million dollars more. They're mm-hmm. getting tons of federal matching funds. HHS projected budget for 2022 will be 1.5 trillion. Wow. It is the largest single line item. If you take Medicaid, Medicare, and whatever, HHS may be one one small agency, but it controls CMS. CMS is Medicaid, Medicare, SCHIP, all that stuff. And they have lots of matching funds to throw out. And that just makes us more dependent. PPP money, that was allocated, not all spent. How do you think the governor has this extra money? And it's basically just been a largesse, right? A lot of these blue states, which basically crushed their economies, New Mexico was second to only California in how draconian we were. And somehow we have a surplus. How? You destroyed economic activity. Um, you're going after the one industry that is actually producing a surplus. The industry, for, I might add, that kept us out of recession for better part of like a decade. We would have negative GDP growth if it wasn't for mm-hmm. oil and gas, period. Right. Full mm-hmm. stop. So, yeah, I, I, I see it as, yeah, you know, uh, oil conservation division doing more. Um, it's just. But you're not wrong. It, you're, it's just terrible and stuff like that. Um Another question I guess we have to ask, and I'm very curious about this because this is kind of yeah, close to me as a, as a veteran, is that is the refugees. Okay. Uh, particularly the refugees that have been, one, of course, the unaccompanied minor crisis that we had over the last four years, and now the refugees coming from Afghanistan um, to such places as Holloman. I think may, I think they're mainly at Holloman and White Sands. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the feeling like down there of not only, you know, unaccompanied minors and obviously illegals, but also like more people being kind of just brought in and just might maybe eventually just sort of dropped off in your guys's neck of the woods. Okay. So I really, I, I haven't taken the temperature on that, but I did want to actually raise another question out of that. Have you noticed that with the, the actual people coming from the South, there's been high concern for COVID Whereas I have not heard a lot of word of people being concerned with Afghan refugees having COVID. Now, that would be my concern about, well, there's two concerns with the people coming from the, the South, is, is that they, you know, the COVID issue, um, they're bringing them into our communities. And do we know uh, if it's a problem? Is that rising cases? But I also found it really weird how they allowed the border on the South to be open, but closed the border on the North coming from Canada. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of a lot of issues with that. As far as the people here, uh, I, I can tell you we're not going to be big fans of just in, you know inserting people into our communities. Um, but I have to. I think there's a huge difference in how we feel about the people that are coming from Afghan, the Afghanistanis. Um, and the reason I say that is because when you put them near Holloman Air Force Base, there's probably been men there that have served with some of these people. And, and I know, uh, I know that because I, I, I'm actually related to the military, and I have seen the connection that that it is built between someone who was in the you know military there, and then someone that was training him from the from here. So I think that there's a different vibe. I also feel that many of us women want to do what we can to help get those Afghan women out. We want to make sure that some of them, as many of them as possible, can be protected. That it kind of reminds me of of Vietnam. We had something to do with that versus what's going on at the Mexican border. 
No. You know, I, no. I, I actually believe that we feel some um, just obligation, some, obligation, yeah, yeah. responsibility yeah. towards at least protecting who we can, you know, especially if we compromise them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. I think that's been my problem with the entire thing. I was never yep. supportive of the war in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. uh, always, you know, in in a in an ideal world, like you know, maybe like twenty years ago, ten years ago, when things kind of made sense, I would have said, "Yeah, we needed to withdraw." I think it's probably going to go down as one of the biggest mistakes this country's ever made, for more than one reason. Um, it's it's funny when you talk about COVID and and the Afghans coming over. I mean, they've been given a regimen of ivermectin as ah. part of as part of the uh, procedure for bringing them over here. So I and guess so it's okay. I guess it's a, well, yeah. I guess it's okay to give horse dewormer to Afghans, <laughs> uh, but apparently not anybody else. Which says, I mean, that that whole conversation just kills me, anyways. Because you know, when you talk about the dosages and what's safe, it's absurd. You know, again, they, they they just they just feed us absurdities, and it's. I wanted to point back to Thad talking about the one point three trillion being the line item. There's a very good reason why all that money is mm -hmm. going into healthcare, mm -hmm. is because they've defunded the police and they're using mm -hmm. healthcare as a means to obtain their totalitarian ends. That's why they're doing that, Thad. Just so yeah, you know. no, yeah, no, no. I mean, the, if it's not health, it's the environment, or it's or it's social justice which all ties back into health and the environment. So it's this trifecta of well, yeah, these things we're going to do to rule you. Yeah. I've also noticed a lot of money being dumped into school systems. Well, and yeah. I, God, I've kind a... of wondered about that considering that your enrollment numbers are down and you haven't done anything all last year. You had no students in there. I, I'm, I'm really confused as to why they need stimulus. Mark, and we, and um, we beat out, didn't, didn't we beat out Mississippi finally? We're not dead last anymore when it comes to educational outcomes. So that that's really? what that's what it went to beating oh. Mississippi. Oh, okay, that's actually a very that's our percentage rise there. We get to celebrate. I wonder well, we if we're gonna have a holiday reason, for that. We know that the reason for all the insanity with the mask mandates was due to the Biden administration dealing directly with the teachers' unions. And it was basically the teachers' unions were threatening the Biden administration mm -hmm. that if they didn't do something about the CDC guidelines, that they were gonna rebel, they were gonna release some nasty statement and everything else. So again, when you ask when you say why are they putting all this money into the school mm -hmm. systems, it's because they want to indoctrinate your children. And oh, they're yes. they are a constituency that is instrumental in indoctrinating the next generation to believe that the CDC, which has become this extra constitutional body over the last year mm -hmm. is God. Mm -hmm. And yes, um, without question, without question. Yeah. It's, and you know, I actually was kind of approaching that question. I just um, posted just a, a second ago, kind of cautiously because I, I know going into a union conversation can actually become quite lengthy and it, you, you can kind of get into a rabbit hole with that one. Um, but it is quite, it's, it's quite disgusting how much power the unions actually have with our leaders. And, you know, like I said, when does that stop? Uh, and that also kind of poses it. That's actually how I got started was um, doing a campaign across the counties for right to work. And it's not that I'm against unions. I'm against unions that require people to be a part of it and then don't allow the people to choose what they support. You know, and that's a lot of the issue is 
like for instance, Look, the, unions, today, the unions stopped being about the working man a long time ago. Oh, now absolutely. it's about, especially when you talk about AFL CIO and all these ones that, that work with government employees and how, what a disgusting relationship that is where you have collective bargaining against the taxpayer. Yeah. It's gross. Even FDR, the progressive, uh, you know, I don't know, grandfather, right? The, the, the people that everyone looked at as the greatest president ever. Even he was just like, nah, man, I'm not going to allow no collective bargaining with the government, right? I'm not going to allow my government employees to unionize because he knew even then that type of capture that would happen where basically, yeah, every you are you are at the I mean, you can actually hold the taxpayers hostage. By virtue of holding holding up government services, like not picking up the trash or not providing the said government services because they would strike. And they understood. It. I, mean, I mean, even the progressive early progressives understood this. But there's just something to be said about there's just capture of all the institutions, the government game, as you say. Mm -hmm. and, and it's all about getting money in mm -hmm. that game. And it's all those institutions, even the institutions that we were that we thought would help us out right good luck um going through oh, the court system um uh, but i still think i still think it's a valiant effort i still think i mean getting it on paper um or at the very least this submitted to and having a, a da take it up i think i think it, it's good to put it on the record mm -hmm. we've been talking we've talked to a couple of lawyers on this program here particularly lawyers dealing with stuff here in the state from vaccine mandates, election integrity mm -hmm. and stuff like that. They sounded defeated. Yep. Right. And um, that's kind of that frustration that people are starting to feel that even people who are fighting for civil liberties, civil rights, or, you know, these things that we think are going to hold government accountable. If the government has appoints the judge and the prosecutor, and you mm -hmm. go for a redress of grievances in front of these, there is a high likelihood that they will rule against you. And that's what I feel. That's, that's, I, I can feel that frustration. I, I hope that we can solve this with ink, but it's, I mean, I can, I, I, I feel people getting antsy. Well, most of it, and it's very interesting because I've been watching the, the judicial process, process deteriorate. Um, and when you have, like the the businesses who filed suit, you, you had a, you know a representative who filed suit, and it's all they're all being dismissed or denied on standing, um, and it's really interesting because even though they shouldn't be, they are getting away with making decisions, or even I've seen them blatantly just pretend like the case isn't there, mm -hmm. um, and so it's it's actually a quite a scary point because that's our one of our branches that is uh, is supposed to give us remedy and they aren't working for us and you know it's really interesting to me because i i'm trying to figure out who they serve mm -hmm. and i i don't know how caught up in the government game they are as far as is it to who um who keeps them in office but that the whole system, even on election integrity, anything we are trying to do to actually seek remedy, which our founding fathers set up for us, is failing. And it kind of makes me want to pose the question to you guys. What do you think it's going to take to create? Because I've always been told that chaos brings about change. But how much chaos do you think is going to be required? What I mean, seriously, because if you look at it, we're 
we're pretty deep in chaos. We have a lot of our system is under. It, it's actually it's, it actually breaks yeah. my heart. It's it's a really bad time. I mean, look when when you yeah. kind of look around at things and and you come to find out that Fauci one hundred percent. 100% is responsible for the gain of function that created this virus because he funded EcoHealth Alliance with $666,000 a year for five years. Yep. Sure, the And it was still, and wasn't it still going to go on until 2025? Like this, the, the contract didn't end. Well, you know, I don't think we got enough time to start talking about you and the The part but. that is, is he lied about it. You know, they covered it up. 100%, and then he's guilty. It, we have all yeah. the receipts. We have all the emails. We have everything we need to throw his at his uh, posterior in jail. Right. And nothing's being done. So we are in a very dangerous time in this country. It's it's sad. Um. People do you think got... our media is is to blame for a lot of it? Or do you think the media is complicit in creating the environment that we have? have because you ever read about Project Mockingbird. Um, I've heard the name. Is it a book or? Let me write it's it down. It's, 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 a, it's Operation <laughs> Mockingbird. It's literally with the CIA, okay. basically. Yes, basically, I know exactly what you're talking about now. And implants people within yeah. the media. Um, okay. The same media that lie that that. Covered, covered up for the fact that we were sitting in Afghanistan for 20 years and everything is fine. Everything is fine. That same press. I think what it is, is it starts with the education system. The education okay. system turns out the people who go into media. The media then become basically, uh, as I was listening to Tucker Carlson the other day, basically says like they actually cover for the powerful, which right. is which is gross. Yes. I mean, they're, they're, they're not supposed to Regulatory capture, but it did, yeah. it wasn't always like that. So, correct. So where it, do you think the big change came? That you know, I, I actually believe there were some legitimate journalists who took their job very serious and who who worked hard to remain neutral. But there was a shift, and I'm really curious to well, know. I mean, Fox when that News shift was a came. big part of that. Fox News was a big Fox, part of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Where I think they the, bought up all the local independent, you know, outlets, uh, you know, Gannett Media or whatever, USA Today, all that, when they started buying up all the local newspapers and all right. this stuff. Just it, Again, it's a centralization of power. Anytime you right. centralize something, it it inherently gets more corrupt. Basically, Absolutely. basically, alternative media is what caused the media to become, as opposed to covertly adversarial to American values openly adversarial to American values. It really goes back to um, once the fairness doctrine was lifted and mm -hmm. now there was competition for ideas mm -hmm. and you had your Limbaugh's and Imus's mm -hmm. and stuff come up, that's when it began. And then you, you, you couple that with a hundred years of screw, uh, to use the German term. Um, these people that turn out a university the right. are are the the educated among us and stuff are indoctrinated with the same nonsense all yeah. the time. The and depression model sure has the, done us well. The depression model worked just as well for media and academia as it did for the industrial revolution. And it's pretty nuts. good. And <laughs> You couldn't help it. Couldn't All right. It. <laughs> so with that said, uh, look, uh, I know we've been blackpilling and scaring people, but Christina, just kind of give us, close us out here with some optimism. 
about what you're doing and how and i i always try to remain um as i learned in the at afp we're happy warriors um i recognize it this can actually bog you down but just remember you know um we live in a great nation we live in great communities and, and it's worth fighting for and it's worth having passion to save. And I highly recommend people to educate themselves, to listen to podcasts such as yours, to to actually know what's happening because you cannot stand up against this if you are, you know, if you aren't actually educating yourself. And I do want to recommend people learn more about a group called Concerned Citizens out of Chavez County. They are actively fighting. Um, definitely learn. Um, you'll find out, out about the citizens petition on there. It's on Facebook. But I, on optimistic note, I, I, I think the only way we can go is up. So we can, New Mexico can only rise from here. Mrs. Arnold, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. You guys have a, a great pleasure. night. All right. It's yeah. nice to see you again. Baca, what are we doing? Uh, I'm sitting on my posterior. Oh. Hey. <laughs> I, I, I caught myself. Yeah, I, I like. If I don't it. catch um, myself, you know, it'll just turn into a construction rant. Yeah. Those. Yeah. No, no, ACTJ uh, here in about eight, seven, eight minutes. So then you can you can let it go. So you can tune in for all the bad words on that show. <laughs> <laughs> um, Who do we got coming up, brother? Uh, well, we have September twelfth, which is this next Sunday. We have Louis Sanchez coming on to the show. Louis Sanchez. Ah, we need one of those buttons with the crowd. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm going to get some sound effects. I'm yeah. working on it. It'll be yeah. good to talk to him. Um, he, he, he was pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's what we're going to do. We're going to keep bringing people on and uh, trying to help out New Mexico with whatever it is that we're going through. I mean, it's. We're in this together, yes. whether we like it or not. And also, if you guys have if anybody else that is you know, from the South. So we can get that perspective who you would like to see on the Mexico rising. Just hit us up. Uh, I mean, we got our telegraph, a telegram yeah. account. Yeah. We have also the inbox on the Mexico rising uh, podcast, uh, Facebook page. And uh, you know, we have a YouTube channel too. Republicans, so. libertarians, everybody. We yeah. we're here on New Mexico rising <laughs> broadcasting, pretending everything is fine here. Just uh, broadcasting from FEMA camps. Just trying to make sure everything's going good for you people. Yeah. do we have anything else to Just show clear. i feel like it's a wednesday night i'm tired no um, love you guys thanks all for watching baka get your roll the, roll the box yeah, get, your get your get your box get it yeah. get it all right all right um all right. let's do the thing do the thing uh good night everybody